Go. I'm Ethan. I'm Grayson. And this is Deeper of the Dolan Twins. Welcome back. Thank you to Macy's for sponsoring this week's episode, and thank you to Nick Santanastasso for coming on to speak to us about his inspirational life story of how he was born with a rare syndrome and overcame many hurdles to be the person that he is today. Uh, thank you guys for being here, and we hope you enjoy the conversation. I had so many questions in the car that I was like, we were talking, I was like, oh, let's save it for the podcast. But, dude, I feel like... I feel like I get such a sense of New Jersey hanging around you. Like, just like, I don't know. Like, the conversations are just like, I just feel like I'm back home. Because you're from Jersey and you lived there until yeah. you were... 18. 18. So, yeah. Uh, I grew up in Jersey and yeah. we probably grew up... Okay. I'm a little short. Just sit little short. down a little bit. Do your thing. I just want to make sure it picks up. Good. All right. Sorry about that. Yeah. So, from Jersey... And uh, we were talking about wrestling. That's where oh, yeah. I got cultivated. My my confidence, my self-integrity, we can go through all that. Yeah, but let's do it. What a sport. Yeah. Wrestling is like a major shift in, in your life and everything, like, yeah. like you just mentioned. So um, first off, you were born with Hanhart Syndrome, um, and you're one of 12, and I believe one of four that are living today. A unicorn. Yeah, wow. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, we can go into that. Yeah, for yeah. sure. So um, I'm 24, turning 25 in a couple of days. Mm-hmm. And in, in 1996, my mom went in for a late ultrasound. And they sat my parents down, and they pulled up the baby on the screen, and the doctors like started freaking out. And my parents were like, what's wrong? And they said, well, from the looks of it, it doesn't look like your baby's limbs are being developed. Looks like he's missing his arms, his legs. They said I had a cleft palate, which I don't have a cleft palate. And uh, they painted a very, like, dark picture for my parents of what this kid would look like. And so in that moment, they classify me with Hanhart syndrome. And Hanhart syndrome is a super rare genetic disorder that either leaves the babies with undeveloped limbs or undeveloped organs. And so at the time of my birth, like you said, in 1996, I was the 12th baby in medical history that they've ever seen this happen to. And out of the 12, eight of them passed away due to undeveloped organs. And so they gave me, well, they gave my parents, they said, your baby has about a 30% chance to live. And like, what do you do as a parent when someone tells you that? Yeah. And, um, right. And so what, what was, what was strategic or, or really powerful, what my parents did was they made a promise with each other. And the promise was that they were going to focus on the 30% rather than the 70%. Hmm. Now, the reason why that's so powerful and like important is because we, first focusing on the negative doesn't serve us, hmm. but what you focus on, you'll get more of. And so, for example, if my mom spent the majority of her time focusing on the, the fact that I was going to probably die, her stress levels would have raised, her anxiety levels would have raised, her, you know, all those levels would have raised, and then she wouldn't be a good environment to host the child. Does that make sense? Yes. Right? Yeah. And so yeah. I probably would have passed away um, wow. if she wow. would always yeah. focus on the shit. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, they test, tested my organs. I came out 100% healthy, just missing a few things. <laughs> wow. Wow, that's really crazy. I can only imagine what that would be like for your and, family. And so you were the, the 12th person on record to have Hanhart syndrome. Yeah. Is, is there anybody after you that you know of? That- yeah. So there is um, there's a kid, Gabe, Gabe Adams, and mm-hmm. he's got no no legs or arms. And uh, he's he's on like TikTok and stuff, like doing his thing. And yes, I kind of like reached out to him like, hey, if you need oh, anything, cool. like I'm here. Because when, when you're like, you're, you're a unicorn, you don't have many people to look up to. Yeah. And so I feel like I've been able to not set the tone, but give kids that come up with limb differences, like, oh, I could do that. Like, I could do it like Nick, or I can do it even better than Nick. Like, I want them to see a path and, like, be like, oh, there is a path for me, you know? Yeah. That's amazing. And so when when you were born, I I heard uh, in an interview that the doctors had given your parents, like, a a list of things that you wouldn't be able to do in your life. Yeah. Yeah, a big one. Um, Yeah, they told my parents... 
I'd never, I'd never be able to feed myself. I'd never be able to dress myself. I'll never be able to be independent. They'll have to take care of me for my whole entire life. Like he's not going to be able to do any jobs. He's just ba basically just going to be like a vegetable. He's just going to like sit around and not really do anything. And my parents refused. They like threw the list out. They're like, screw off. Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna see what he's truly capable of doing. And the way that my parents raised me, I always tell people is like my biggest advantage was they treated me normal. Yeah. Like got beat up by my siblings, just like we all got beat up by our siblings. I got thrown into the mix. And how many um, siblings do you have? I have uh, three siblings. But basically, my parents would put my clothes in front of me, and then they'd say, "Figure it out." Yeah. And as a parent, it's really tough to see your kids struggle and like go yeah. through the motions. I can't even do it with my puppy. Like, if <laughs> yeah. I tell my dog, like, hey, figure this out, I feel too bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I can, I can only imagine your kid. Yeah, so well, that, that's you know, great. here's yeah. your clothes, figure it out. Here's your food, figure it out. And they give me verbal suggestions. And what that did was, which is extremely important, is that got me solution-oriented very early. Mm -hmm. And so like instead of focusing on like the challenge, I'm like, well, how can I do this? I focus on the how. Um, and it also developed at an early age, I developed like a, a great relationship with failure because if you look around the world, most people have a pattern or, or a relationship with failure that like, it's not good. And yeah. so depending on how you're brought up and there's no right or wrong way that you're brought up, we're just doing our thing. Mm -hmm. But like, if you have a bad relationship with failure, you're not going to try new things. And then, and that, that becomes a fear of fear of failure. Like, what is my family going to think of me if I fail? Mm. What am I going to think of me if I fail? What is my, well, the girls are going to think of me if I fail. Right. And yeah. so you see how that can get in the people's way. And so I think my parents just gave me a superpower by beating me up and treating me normal. So yeah. how soon after that, you know, started treating you normal, were you able to pick up the things that the doctors told your parents that you weren't able to, you weren't going to be quick. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they probably like sat me down. All right. They said, uh, you couldn't feed yourself. Like figure it out. Here's a spoon. Here's some Cheerios, you know, figure it out. And, um, and, and they, they would always just throw things on me. Like, for example, like I got introduced to a skateboard by my brother. He would just like put me on it and was like, all right, like, I don't know, figure it out. And he put me on my stomach and then like roll me around. I'm like, wow, this is really fun. And then I realized that I can like stand upright. And mm -hmm. then as a kid, like skateboarding was one of my favorite, favorite hobbies. I mean, my first, my first YouTube video was probably like posted in like, I don't know. I don't even know. A long time ago. Yeah. And it was just titled Skater No Legs. And it was with this like terrible <laughs> camera. And I like rolled down, I rolled down my, my driveway. I do like a manual and I like turn around and like smile and it's got like a bunch of views. Oh, and then sick. I was like, all right, this makes sense. And like my next video, I like a couple years later, I learned how to swim. And I'm like, all right, swimming no legs. And I like post a video of me like swimming <laughs> no legs. I'm like, pops off. I'm like, all right, this stuff's easy. But it's not that easy. I just, I'm very good clickbait. I'm a good yeah. thumbnail. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Um, so growing up in New Jersey, we, we also grew up in New Jersey. Yeah. And I'm not sure what, what part of the state you grew up in, but our town was, it was pretty rural and very sport and athletic he's, oriented. He's down by the, by the beach. Right? Yeah, Tom's River. Okay, Diego. okay. So we're familiar. So was it like a, a pretty athletic-driven school system and in town? Like, was it sporty? I'd say they favored a specific sports. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, yeah there's a few sure. sports that they favored. Yeah, but even beyond that, I feel like there was like this mold that like every kind of guy in my town had to fit or mm -hmm. else you were kind of an outcast. Yeah. And that was a lot, like a lot of it was centered around athletics. Like if you weren't part of a sport, you didn't really have like a brotherhood. You didn't have, yep. and you weren't really looked at as like one of the cool kids in town. Yeah. Um, Much harder to make friends, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I can only imagine what the limitations that the doctors had given your parents and that, and, and the amount of people that would be telling you no, it was probably difficult growing up in that environment. Yeah. Agreed. Um, as a young kid, my, my brother was a stud wrestler always, mm -hmm. and he wrestled for 100 and Central. Um, and so 
we, that's just a name in itself. Like it's badass, right? Yeah, and so yeah, like where sure. we grow up, it's like, wow, I want to be like that. And so when we moved down the shore, um, I got into middle school and high school and like middle school and high school was like a super tough time for me. Okay. And like from the outside, it didn't look like a tough time because I'm very good at just like going through the motions and mm-hmm. putting a smile on when, when I'm a young kid. Um, but I struggled with, I want to get into this too because it's good for your audience. I want to, I struggled with self-confidence. Yeah. I struggled with my body. Like I, I realized I was stuck with this body and for the, for the majority of my life, I thought it was the biggest curse, the most disgusting thing that could happen to me. Mm-hmm. And so I, I was looking for a way out. And when I say in a way out, I was looking for a way to like feel good okay. and build confidence in me. And, and also my thought process was like, if I become a wrestler, like maybe the girls would like me like yeah. that, you know, that was our process too. You know, it's uh-huh. like in your head too. It's like, yeah, hey, if I'm a wrestler, maybe girls <laughs> yeah, will like me. Kind of like trying to flex a little yeah, bit. Yeah. <laughs> and so I got into high school and all my best friends are wrestlers and they were like, you know, you should try wrestling. And at the time, um, this, this limb was about five inches longer than it is now. Uh-huh. And my bone was growing faster than my skin. So it was super sensitive, and the bottom line is if I would have hit my arm hard enough, my bone would have came through my skin. And so Nick being solution-oriented, Nick, I'm like, well, how can I get around this, like, arm thing? Because I want to wrestle. And so my sophomore year of high school, I I came home from school, and I sat my parents down. I was like, I want to become a wrestler. And they're like, what about your arm? And I said, can we amputate it? Can we cut it off? And they kind of looked at me like I was a little bit crazy, but they knew I was crazy. I, I, try, I, tr- I try everything. Yeah. And so that's the way they raised me. And so they were more thrilled, if this makes sense, they were more thrilled that I brought forth the solution of like amputating my arm rather than it got put on me. Because yeah. when I was born, doctors wanted to do some crazy things. They, wanted, they, they advised my parents to cut my finger off because it was useless. And I used my finger for everything, like uh-huh. a text and all that stuff. Like, yeah. what, what the hell? And so they wanted to cut my finger off. They wanted to put... Um, rods in my quads, I'm not trying to rhyme, but rods in my quads and um, sit me in a hospital bed for six months and like twist them every day to lengthen my bones so one day maybe I can have prosthetics. And my parents in those moments were like, no, that's Nick's choice and he doesn't have a voice yet, which is super powerful. And so when I brought forth the solution of like, hey, this is low, this is like my arm's hurting me. I can't wrestle. I can't do physical activities on this side. Can we amputate my arm? They were all for it. And so my sophomore year, I got my, I didn't really tell like my teachers or my friends I was doing it. I was just like, all right, I'm just going to amputate my arm. Wow. And so they lasered five inches of the bone off and they, they did a skin graft where they pull extra skin from up on my shoulder and they pull it over my bones. Mm-hmm. I told the doctor, I was like, I need to beat people over the head with this when I come out. Like I need to become a wrestler. Like this is serious. And so I, I, I come out, I come out of the surgery and, um, super weird but yeah my arm was all good and i go back to school and i'm the happiest kid that just cut his arm off you know i got like 17 stitches wow. in my arm and i'm like smiling They're like what'd you do i'm like i cut my arm off and people <laughs> are like why and it was all all because i wanted to become a wrestler wow and wow. so yeah i became a wrestler so how long were you sitting on the decision of cutting your arm off before you told your parents before you really pulled it's the a trigger? good question was it something that you had to think of by yourself like you're like because you said you presented them with the with the idea. Yeah, I think so. There's there's two reasons why people people will change, mm-hmm. and and humans in general will either change because we experience enough pain or or we experience enough pleasure. But the bottom line is, most well, all of humans will run away from pain faster than they run towards pleasure. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. And definitely. so I hit my threshold of like. I don't want to like hate my body anymore. I want to be a wrestler. I want to be around my friends because if I was a wrestler, that means during winter, mm-hmm. 
when they go to wrestling practice and I go home and I'm alone where thoughts can start coming into my head, I'll be with my friends more. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so I wanted to spend more time with my boys. Yeah. And so sure. there was all these um, all these reasons that compelled me to do it. And so it was, it was a pretty quick decision for me. Okay. And I wasn't very like nervous about it. I just knew that like, what is it going to feel like on the other side? Like mm-hmm. when I'm a wrestler, when I'm labeled yeah. as an athlete, when people told me I couldn't be an athlete. So that yeah. drove me. That's awesome. And so, yeah, I, I became a wrestler and my... My junior year was JV, and uh, I got my ass kicked like every single day. And yeah. I and I told so I go into the wrestling room and I told like, because you wrestle you don't wrestle heavyweights you wrestle like 106 and yeah. all the guys around your weight class. I'm like guys like just whoop my ass, like just like pick me up, slam me down, like teach me, do whatever you need to do because if you hold back in practice, and I go out on the mat and someone's playing full out, like I'm gonna get my ass kicked. Like you yeah. need to like bring it. And so asking you shall receive, and they brought it. Yeah. And uh, so my. <laughs> My junior year, I was one and twenty, and my w- one win was a, a varsity forfeit, so I can get my varsity jacket. And because it was a forfeit, I never got my varsity jacket because I felt like I didn't earn it. Wow. Which we can agree, things feel better when we earn them. Definitely. Yeah. So I was like, I don't want to just raise my hand and get a free win and get my varsity jacket. And so I came back my senior year as the 106-pound varsity wrestler from my high oh, school. Yeah. And um, I was I was mentioning that I was the wrestler that. I was around 80 to 82 pounds, and I needed to be 85 in order to be ele- eligible for 106 varsity. Yeah. And so everybody's cutting weight, and I'm stuffing, stuffing my pants. They're like, bro, we could put weights in your pants when you weigh in. I'm like, no, they're going to hear it when I'm walking around. Like, how do I finesse the system? And so I just had to eat a bunch. Yeah. And I was mentioning that all these 106 guys that I was wrestling, I'm 85 pounds, so they were all... 20, 15 pounds. Who knows? After weigh-ins, they yeah. gained yeah. a couple more pounds. You know how it is. Yeah, because they're cutting weight down from probably 120. Yeah. So they, pounds. Yeah, and the, they had the muscle mass of a 120-pounder, yeah. you know? Yeah. So. But, my, but, but two wins. Is, yeah. I two got, wins against a kid with good shoes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we talked shoes. about that. So, yeah, in the wrestling world, we, we always joke around and say, like, the high school kids with the tattoos, like, they're scary. Or the, the high school kids with the good shoes. The flashy uh, shoes. You get I couldn't wear shoes, shoes, so I got the tattoo. I needed something. Yeah. Nice. And so I got the first tattoo. But we were mentioning my first win as a as – a, um, actually, was in, it was in a summer duel. So it wasn't technically, like, in school. It was, like, a summer tournament. Yeah, what and, was that like, your first win? So people told you your entire life you can't wrestle. You had to literally yeah. amputate your arm to be eligible to wrestle and then stuff your face to get – Above hundred to get above eighty five pounds, and then you finally get your first win. What's that like? What, yeah, what was that feeling like? Yeah, so it was a match where my buddy had the same shoes. He had these like really like neon shoes. They were badass. And the kid that I was wrestling had the same shoes. And my buddy's like, "He's gonna kick your ass. He's got these good <laughs> shoes." I'm like, "All right," because you're always joking around. Yeah. And so I go out. And I'm used to, no joke, I'm used to going out and, like, just staying off my back. Like, that was, like, my, my value of, like, not giving up the full six. Yeah. And so I look up. I think it's, like, second period. I'm, like, up. And, like, that's not, like, me. I'm, like, yeah. uh, you know, I'm looking, at the, I'm looking at the clock and I'm looking at the score and they're, like, you're up, you're up. Like, you know, like, circle out. Like, stall, stall. Like, <laughs> let's get this win. And it comes to the third period and he chooses bottom. And it's hard for me to hold someone down, clearly, right? And yeah. so, like, I set up with this guy, and, like, he gets up, and I immediately just, like, hold on to his leg, and I'm uh-huh. stalling my ass off. Uh-huh. And, and at the end, at the end, there was probably, like, 15 seconds or 20 seconds left, and all I remember is I'm, you know how you tied your shoelaces? Yeah. You guys, yeah. like, taped your shoelaces? Yeah. yeah. I'm, like, my face is up in his shoe to the shoelace. I'm just holding on. They're, like, stall, stall. And then finally, 
time went off and I won by one point and wow. I was all bloody from his shoelaces. Oh, shit. And he started crying and I was like so happy. Wow. And my, it was just a... What it a was, victory. It was, yeah, dude, it was, a, it was a great feeling because most people don't persist long enough to get the result that they want. Yeah. And so when you, and when you persist long enough and you finally achieve like a breath of fresh air, yeah. it's like a massive victory. So it oh, felt yeah. great. And you're with all your friends that you wanted to join the, the yeah. team to be with and they're probably fucking yeah. going crazy. Did you ever contemplate quitting earlier on in wrestling? Yeah. There, yeah. A bunch of times. There is a, I don't know if you know the, it was like shark. Yeah. You know shark? So basically, so, so what sharking is for everyone that doesn't know wrestling, we'll educate you here. Yeah. It's like a drill where I'll go into the, the circle and we'll have all the weight classes that are similar to me mm-hmm. and they'll they'll take me one-on-one and I have to get five takedowns before I can get out of the circle. Yeah. Mm. Well, guess who ain't getting five takedowns? <laughs> Who's not very good at wrestling? The guy with no legs and one arm. And so there was a, a specific time where I was the shark and I was, it was, they, they let, they, they kept me in the circle for probably like 20 to 40 minutes of just pounding on me and, and I wouldn't get out because I couldn't get the five takedowns and I finally broke down and I was like crying and I like left the wrestling room and my coach comes out and he was a really scary coach. A lot of wrestling coaches are pretty oh, yeah. scary. Yeah. And uh, he was like, you don't think I cry sometimes too? And in my head, I'm like, bullshit. Like, bro, you're too scary. But yeah. he was just like, dude, you're, like, you're, you're doing the best you can. And that was only the time I ever contemplated quitting. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, as we mentioned, it's the community mm-hmm. of like your brothers are there, like getting their ass whooped and you're sweating and you're dying and like, that's yeah. what keeps you through because we're all going through the same house. Yeah. How, how important was it to have have your friends there? Oh, it's massive. I think I think community just in general is one of the biggest superpowers um, mm-hmm. because you can have a you can be surrounded. Most people are surrounded by like a not so great community, and so they'll get not so great results in their life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so when you're surrounded by people who have high standards, you eventually elevate your standards. Mm-hmm. And so it it was it was great because even in the times of like being being like getting my ass kicked or like sweating and like dying like you look up and like one of your boys is like smiling or like like just making a face or something and it keeps you going yeah and so i think it's extremely important to have like a community of like-minded individuals that keep you going because we're a lot more powerful with other people than just ourselves most definitely and like you said it it truly is a superpower yeah definitely Mm -hmm. um so leading up to making the decision to amputate your arm to join the wrestling team. Um, I heard that you, you didn't really look at yourself any different than your peers until you were in middle school. Yeah. Yeah. Um, middle school and high school were, were like very judgmental times, I think, for all of us. Yeah. Definitely. And there was a, there was a, a specific moment where – and I'll go into this. These are how beliefs are created. So there was a, a specific moment where I was on the bus, and there was a girl to the left of me, and she was making fun of everyone. I was in middle school and she, I was like, oh man, like she's gonna have a field day with me. And she got up and I looked at her and she said, Nick, I don't even have to start with you. You're already too messed up anyway. Look at you. And from that moment, your thoughts go off in your head of like, why? Like, why me? Why is she making fun of me? But also what happens in the, in the brain is when one bad thing, when one negative thing happens, if you don't catch your inner dialogue, it'll just start stacking all the negative. And so the thoughts that went through my head were, well, she's right. Girls don't like you because you have no legs, one arm. And I'm going into high school. I'm like, you'll never go to your junior prom or your senior prom. You can't walk a girl to a locker. So you're going to want to hold your finger. Is that weird? And I would stack and stack and dig mm-hmm. myself into a deep, dark hole. We've all done it. Mm-hmm. And it's called stacking. And so, but that's also where beliefs around my body came into play of like, maybe I am less than because I have no legs, one arm. And you start to believe stuff. Does that make sense? And yeah. so like we're surra- like conscious right now, like we're surrounded by a bunch of thoughts. And like 
majority of the thoughts that are in your head aren't yours. Hmm. Someone told you it one day. Yeah. You know, someone said something to you. I mean, it, maybe it was in school and someone said, like, your teacher was like, you got to work better on your grades. Like, you're just not getting it. Mm-hmm. And that, then that stems the belief of, I'm not, I'm not a good student. Mm-hmm. Or I'm not smart. Yeah, I don't get it. Does that make sense? Yeah. And it all stems, like, our, most of our beliefs were created between zero and seven years old. Watch, I'll, get, I'll, give, I'll give you a quick example. Between zero and seven years old, you're most receptive. Your brain is in theta state, so it's, it's more in the unconscious mind or the subconscious mind. And so, for example, like, have you ever heard, and we're not putting, like, your parents or your upbringing on blast. It's, have you ever heard, like, money doesn't grow on trees? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Exactly, right? Or, uh, and, and this is where beliefs around money stem from. And so, for example, if someone grows up in, in an environment where money's tight and their parents are struggling, their beliefs around money are what? It's hard to get. Yeah. It's hard to obtain. Or if they're surrounded by an environment where people have toxic relationships or say, uh, say the, the parents got divorced, kids always think it's their fault as well. Mm-hmm. And so they're like, what did I do wrong? And then, and then this messes you up as an adult if you don't work through your beliefs. Yeah. And so going back to your question, I had beliefs around my body of like, yeah, I am disgusting. Girls will never like me. And so how I broke through that was years later, which by the way, like I had, I had a girlfriend or two girlfriends in high school and that helped me like work through my beliefs. But there's, there's always a confidence. There was always like a confidence issue mm-hmm. or like a self-conscious issue. And so the power of reframing changed my life. My whole life is a reframe. And what reframing is, is like... We can get, we can all get in a car accident, like the same car accident, and like you guys can see all the good and I can see all the bad. Mm-hmm. It's the meaning we attach behind that event, and it's yeah. what we decide to focus on. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so, I reframed my body image later on, a couple years later, and I was like, I thought to myself, I asked a better question, and I said, Nick, your whole life you thought no legs and one arm was the biggest curse. What if it was the opposite? What if? your no legs and one arm was filtering out the type of women and men that you don't want in your life anyway. If a girl doesn't want to love on me because my no legs and one arm, if someone doesn't want to do business with me because my no legs and one arm, if someone doesn't want to be my friend because my no legs and one arm, maybe that's like a clear indicator of God, the universe, whatever it may be, is filtering out the shitty people in my life. Yeah. And then my life changed because I changed my story around my body. Does that make sense? It does. So like my whole life I viewed it as this curse and then it became my biggest superpower. Because I was able to see the gift in it. Yeah. And so for those that are listening, one of the most powerful things that you can constantly do is ask yourself, this is a golden question, what did I learn? Mm-hmm. Because I'm going to I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw some one-liners out there for the crowd too. The quality of your life comes down to the quality of the questions you ask yourself. Now, the reason why that's so important is because our brain is 2 million years old and it's a problem-solving device. Your brain wants to solve problems, especially men. We just want to solve everything. Mm. And so... Your brain will always give you an answer. And so if you ask a shitty question to yourself, what kind of answer are you going to get? Shitty, shitty answer. A shitty answer. Yeah. Yeah. And if you ask a better question, you get a better answer. And yeah. so most people, the reason why they feel negative emotions or they're depressed or they hate their life is because they always ask shitty questions. Yeah. The questions of why me? Or yeah. why can't I get a girlfriend? If you say, why can't I get a girlfriend? Your brain's going to find an answer. Oh, you're stupid. You're, exactly. You're yeah. But if you yeah. said, why can't I? Then it's going to focus you know, on... Oh, you're a good guy. Yeah, charming. exactly. Yeah. Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah, man. There's only... <laughs> yeah, there's, that's that's such a good way to put it. Like, the question really dictates the answer. The answer yeah. And, and it, dicta- it dictates whether it's positive or negative yeah. entirely. So if you ask better questions, you'll get better answers. Yeah. And so I was like, well, maybe my body is an authentic human filter. And wow. it's going to change yeah. the filter. game for me. Yeah. That's crazy. How, how long did it take you to get to that point of, of thinking this way? Yeah, what because it, I can only imagine as a middle yeah. schooler, you don't have the tools to, to yep. be thinking this way yet. 
Yeah, so that's that's great that you said that because for those that are listening, like, wow, like my brain doesn't operate that. Like I've trained this person, like the guy that you see here, like I've trained this. It's just like wrestling or it's exercising in the gym. Like your brain's the same thing. It's almost a profession, I yeah. would say. Yeah, to be able to yeah. Well, it is your profession. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it is profession. <laughs> no, but a personal one to be able to ask, like internalize and ask yourself yeah. those questions, those those positive questions so, it's, it's hard yeah. to do sometimes i guess and it wasn't always your profession you've been speaking for yeah, four yeah. years now before that like w- at what age did you ask yourself that question or or say or, or come to the realization that you know this is a good thing this is my blessing yeah i would say when you i was exposed to like higher level content mm-hmm. and so for example it's like let's be real like a lot of people they'll wake up and they'll go on social media and they'll see someone who has like a better life or portrays a better life than them and then they feel shitty and then they'll go on with their shitty day and get, me, have yeah. a shitty results i, I mean right? the first 30 minutes of my day i'm like oh i'm trying to get out of bed i'm waking like opening my eyes for the first time i go on instagram and i see someone that they're somewhere i want to be or they have something i want and uh and then it brings us down yeah and, it does yeah it's a pandemic in itself yeah and so the thing is is like your, your focus will lead to an emotion, your emotion will lead to an action, and then your action will lead to a result, right? So say we wake up and we're focused on, if you watch the news, mm. you never watch the news and then feel really good about yourself. Mm-hmm. Never, right? Yeah. And so you'll be f- filled with fear and anxiety and stress, and that will lead to procrastination and you won't get on with it. So, mm-hmm. but what I'm saying is, is like, I didn't have this mindset until I, until I started listening to like people that were better than me. You know, like I, I found people who were more positive or more successful and I learned from them. And the reason why it's like so important to find someone who has the results that you want and, and like watch them and model them is because they can condense time. Yeah. You know, like I didn't know all of this. Like I didn't know anything about speaking. When I got into Vine, I didn't know anything about Vine. So I modeled people's videos. I'm like, well, what's on the popular page? I'm going to do it with no legs and it's going to go viral. Mm-hmm. So yeah. like you guys are giving me the content. I'm just going to create it in my own way. Why spend so much time figuring out what's good when I can find what's good and then just recreate it? Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. It does. And so I've done that like my whole life is just modeling. Like in bodybuilding, like find someone who's shredded and go learn from them. Yeah. I'm not going to yeah. take advice from someone who's out of shape. Yeah. I'm not going to take, you know, relationship advice from someone who has toxic relationships. It's just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. So to answer your question, to piggyback back on what I was saying, yeah, I think sure. that um, it's first the realization that, like, you want to be better. Because mm-hmm. you can't change someone who doesn't want to change. Mm-hmm. And so it's realizing, like, wow, there's more out there and I want to be more positive or I want to have a stronger mindset. And then now with, like, our phones, like, just go listen. Mm-hmm. Go listen to higher level content and your thinking will mm-hmm. will elevate. Yeah. Wow. So earlier on, you said that people change for two reasons, pain or pleasure. Um, see, uh, running from pain or seeking pleasure. Uh, in what ways in your life did you, did, did pain inspire change? Yeah. The first thing was, um, it was girls. Girls were a massive driver for me. As in like, I, I see my friends with girlfriends and I see, you know, boyfriends and girlfriends and I never had that. Mm. And so no joke, like part of my I think a lot, lot of my life was, what can I do to get girls to finally like me mm-hmm. and be accepted um, and be cool, whatever that was, right? As a young kid, like that's, that's our, our mindset. And so wrestling, like a part of wrestling was like, I'm an athlete, like I'm a jock, like I'm cool, like girls will like me, this will be better. Um, and I think it was the pain of just not feeling loved. Yeah, yeah. that's Because tough. like, you know, when you're around, like, when you're around and you see people like kissing girls or have girlfriends and boyfriends and you don't have one, like you feel like a dork and you mm. feel like an outcast. And and for those that are listening that may be in that situation, I want to let you know, like 
as long as you show up like your authentic and transparent self and you be you, you'll attract the right people in your life. You don't yeah. know that as a 15, 16, 7 year old kid you think it's bullshit. Yeah. But I promise you like later on in life when you're authentic and you're genuine and you're transparent, you'll attract the right people. Um, but girls were a massive pain for me. And then I think another thing was that drove me into business and stuff was like I never wanted to rely on someone else for money. Mm. And like my parents raised me to be independent and, and I didn't want to have to rely on the government. Or I didn't have to rely on my parents for money. Like that was the last thing that I wanted to do. And so moments like that pushed me to be, be a bodybuilder or go pursue things. Mm-hmm. And then I'd say the pleasure would be the result. Um, I'm like, what is this going to feel like when I achieve it? You know, what is it going to feel like when you're finally in shape? Or what are you going to feel like when you finally win your first, you know, wrestling match? For sure. I think um, what we can do is we can visualize the result before we even have it to get a little feeling of what it would feel like. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, like, your brain, and then this is going into the, like, do stuff, but your your brain... When you visualize, you know, like you notice like some of the greatest athletes, Conor McGregor, like their coaches will have them visualize the fight before it even happens. Why? It's because when you visualize something, when you close your eyes and you go into a meditative state, your brain can't decipher what's visualized and what's real. It's called neuron mirroring. Mm -hmm. And so, for example, it's like if I go out on a massive stage before I go out, like that week prior, I'm visualizing exactly what I'm going to do when I'm out on that stage. So when it comes time, when when I'm out on that stage, I'm like, oh, I've already been here. Mm-hmm. And it's not as scary. Wow. But I've also, it drives me to achieve that result because you can feel the emotion when you visualize if you exercise it enough. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. crazy. It's it's almost like a really deep form of manifestation. Yeah. You know, you're the like, highest this, form. this is going to happen and this is how it's going to happen. And, and how is it going to feel and what does yeah. it smell like and what mm-hmm. is the environment you're like? Taking you can control. really get into it. I do find myself like, even in, like, this is maybe a shitty example, but this has happened to me before. And, and it was a night before I went skydiving. Um, I was going skydiving with uh, a blind YouTuber and I was going to do it her way and we were going to go blindfolded with blindfolds oh, on. Oh, wow. And we did. And the night before that, I was like just thinking about just all kind of, I was kind of dwelling on like, you know, what could go wrong and stuff like that. And and uh, I wasn't envisioning myself there. I was just thinking about like myself and, and just, I'm going, I'm going to do this thing. This thing and that's what I was telling myself. And I was like, oh shit. And I felt so out of control. Like I was mm. out of control. Like I couldn't, I didn't think I could control the situation. But when I finally arrived that day, I was like, oh, I'm in control. I can check and see, like feel around and see if I'm like latched in. You yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. I can talk to this guy and, and see if he's qualified for, to jump <laughs> out of the plane with me. You know what I mean? And so I think visualizing that day would have helped me like feel like, okay, yeah, I am in control. Because when I'm in a, in a, in a situation, like, after I'm, I'm already there, I feel like I'm in control and like I'm able to calm down through that. But before yeah. situations, I have a hard time telling myself that I'm going to have control. Yeah. If that makes any yeah. sense. You I, know, and I guess it would be like the same thing with like speaking on a stage or, or a wrestling match is like, as soon as that whistle blows, I'm not nervous anymore. Yeah. You know what I mean? Can I jump uh, into that? Why, yeah, why yeah, that please. is? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and, and I want to point out something that you said was really powerful is like, you initially asked what could go wrong. Yeah. So you got the answer. Mm-hmm. Now, when people want to start a business or they want to start YouTube or they want to start that venture or whatever it is, the first question they ask is like, what could go wrong? Mm-hmm. And then it stops them from doing it. But if you ask yourself, what could go right? You'll get an answer. You, you probably that, feel a lot of amazing things. That should be the first question you ask yeah, yourself. Yeah, what could go want, right? Yeah. Like, what if this does go the way that I want it to go? Yeah. Now, they did a study 
on skydivers where they they had a bunch of skydivers and they hook a heart monitor up to them. Mm-hmm. And so they're on the ground and they hook the heart monitor up and you know the anticipation so their heart starts going, their heart starts going. And then they get in the plane and they the plane starts taking off and you know they're looking at the ground and the, the, the people look like ants and it's getting really high and their heart rate goes even higher and higher. And then they open the door and they're looking out over the, the sky and their heart rate is even higher and higher and then they jump and their heart rate goes back to normal. Hmm. The reason being is because we eliminate fear by taking action. Yeah. Wow. Every time that we're fearful, like I'm talking about my friends, like like an anchor, like like if you can remind yourself, like when I'm fearful, if I just take the first step, the the fear gets eliminated. Yeah, because you stay in control. It. Yeah. Yeah. But like, yeah, you just push through, mm-hmm. and so you'll notice that, like, when you when you jumped out, you were like, I was calm. Yeah. yeah. It's because you eliminate fear by taking action. I was blindfolded, so I could think a lot more, though. So yeah. That, that was a different situation. But. Yeah. But I was way more calm. <clears throat> Sorry. I was way more calm once I got there and, and once I, I took that step and took that step, like first step of action. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's true. Wow. It's a great way to put it. Yeah. I, I kind of want to go back to the story about um, the, the girl bullying you on the bus. Mm. I, I feel like if I, I took everything that was said to me very personally in middle school and high school, because that was when I, I feel like I really wasn't aware of who I was. Mm. Um, and... Yeah, I can only just imagine the spiral that that would have sent you into. Where did where did you end up from being told what she told you? Yeah, there would be there'd be moments, um, bro. That led to like I didn't go to my proms. Wow, because I didn't think I was worthy of it. I didn't think I was worth it. Um, that would lead me to you know crying in the shower. I, I was very good at um, hiding it away from my parents. Mm-hmm. Because I didn't want to feel like a burden or I didn't want to put my negativity on them, which a lot of people probably listening relate. Mm-hmm. And so I would say, because I, w- I want to give advice and something that they can apply is one of the very things that you can do in those moments, there's a few things, but the one thing that you can do is like, and it sounds wild, but I'll share why it's important is move your body. And so you'll notice like, how many times have you had a, a boy like get broken up with and he's like, I'm going to the gym. Like, I'm going to go get jacked. Yeah, yeah. We've done it. We've all done it, right? Yeah, yeah. And so... We're going to the club. Yeah, <laughs> we're going to the club, right? But the the important thing is, like, when you're at a super low state and you're feeling, like, really depressed or, you know, whatever it is, is, like, to do something that moves your body. And the reason being is because when you change, when you change your physiology and you put your body under stress, your body then releases dopamine, mm. which is, like, the awesome sauce, the stuff that makes us feel good. Yeah. And that's why, like, we've all had moments where we don't want to go do a workout but how do we feel after the workout? Good. We always feel good. Oh, yeah. We always feel good. And so for, the, for the, the people out there that may be that kid that's 15, 16 years old and someone told them something, I would say it's really hard to accept this, but like work on yourself. Like mm-hmm. work on yourself. Like if you have to spend time alone, like spend time alone. Like I'm an introvert as well. Like I'm, I'm always like we're doing events and doing such, but I really love spending time on my on myself, with myself. Mm-hmm. And so I would say, first thing is move your body. Do some sort of working out. I don't care what it is, but I promise you it's gonna make you feel better. Mm-hmm. The second thing that you that you can do, which no 14, 15, 16 year old kid wants to do, no one wants to do it when you're pissed off, is like reflect back the moments that you're grateful for and appreciative of. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the reason why is because the emotion of gratitude outweighs all the negative emotions. It's tough to get there though. It's really tough yeah. to get there. Right? Because you don't want to. Yeah. yeah. You don't want to. The last thing I want to do when I'm down is like, yeah. help myself get out of it. Yeah. You just and it's not possible. It's like that, that part of your brain that feels like shit starts like wanting to feel like more shit. Because it wants to prove, your, prove it right. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. You're, you're, yeah. So your beliefs are the way that your brain works. It's like it wants to prove 
it right. And so that's why you'll there'll be patterns in people's lives where you'll have a friend and, and people listening, you'll be like, oh, I know that friend. You'll have a friend that always gets a job and always says he has like a shitty manager. It's because anytime that he joins a job, his brain will always figure out like what's shitty about this manager because I want to prove myself right. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so this is a lot of deep like like psychology stuff, but going back to the basics is like when you're feeling in the dumps, like move your body. First off, move your body. Try to go through some gratitude and appreciation. And then also I would say, get a journal. Just write. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because when you write, you're able to take the clutter out of your head and extract it and put it onto something. And then like it's there. It's removed from it's your removed. head. It's removed. Yeah. yeah. And so we can clear our head that way. And I think journaling or, or writing is like the best form of like therapy. Yeah. You don't have to go to a therapist. Just write things down. Yeah. I've been doing a lot of writing recently and if I have an idea in my mind that I'm like so obsessed with, it, yeah. it almost puts me in a state of panic because I'm like, I need to get, I need to make sure that I don't forget this. And then as soon as it's on paper, I, I release that burden. Even though it's a good idea, it's like, okay, it's on paper. I know that it's not going to go away. Mm-hmm. I can always go back to it, but it's not in my head anymore. It's yeah. not taking up space. Yeah. So it's really interesting that you can write bad things down and then remove them from your brain too. Yeah. I never then, even thought of it. What do you way. think about like, can you write bad things down and then just burn it? Like, does that help? No, but there I'm are serious. like moon rituals and stuff. No, I mean, no, or, or dude, no sorry, joke. Sorry, I, just, I, mean, I mean, dispose of it. Like, because <laughs> if I write some bad shit down, I'm not gonna want to go read it, you know? Yeah. Or am I? What do you think? Well, you can reflect on it when you're in a better place and say, "Wow, I used to be there." Yeah, that's it's, a great thing to do, is. right? But also, if you burn it, it, might as well not be on paper anymore. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. back in your mind. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> nah, I mean, but it's still th- throwing them up, throwing them up, getting them out. You know? I guess. I don't know. What, well, you can do whatever you want. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you can. You just suggest. I would writing. say. I would Th- suggest. Did that work for too. you at the time? Yeah, I would. I don't know if I burned anything. Um, um, I'm I, right. No, no, no. But no joke. <laughs> I did. My, my girlfriend's like she's she's like an empath. She's like loves crystals and energy and stuff. And so yeah. we did like a moon ritual where like I wrote down all the limiting beliefs that I had mm-hmm. or that I still think that were holding me back. I'm not good enough. I'm not tactical enough. I have scarcity mindset around money. I don't know what it is. I just started writing and writing and writing, and then I burned it. And I guess it's, I guess it works, right? But what kids can, what like not, and it's not all kids, but what we can do early, if you learn this early is really powerful is we've all heard, you've heard of affirmations. Yeah. Yeah. So affirmations, they're okay. So affirmations is like you look in the mirror and you tell yourself you're happy and your brain goes screw off. It doesn't really work, but there's a thing called incantations and incantations are, um, I am's. And so, for example, like say you had a limiting belief and, and go inward where if you're trying to discover limiting beliefs, like what are the beliefs around? Do I have a do I have a bad mindset with money? Do I have a scarcity mindset around money? Do I have a bad relationship with myself? Do I have a bad relationship with um, food? Like, what is it? Just figure out what's holding you back. And then, for example, like I didn't think I was a good student. So my belief was like, I'm not I'm not smart or I don't have a good student. So one of my incantations is I am a student of the game. And so basically I wrote down all of my limiting beliefs, but I wrote them in a positive way of like, I am this, I am confident for you. Maybe it's I am confident, I'm kind, I'm compassionate, I'm a great leader, I'm a great person, I'm a great listener. I don't know what it is for you, but Mm -hmm. write down these I am's. And then in the morning or wherever you need it, go through them, but you go through through them with intensity um, into your physiology. So I'll give you an example. So like before, before a speech, or if I need to get in state, which by the way, it's it's hard to explain this if you don't go into state. And so I'll give you an analogy before I go into this. What do gorillas do before they go into a fight? Do they pound their chest? Why? Oh, he was right. Um, I didn't think he was going to get in. <laughs> I don't know. I always thought it was maybe intimidation, but maybe it, not. 
it's to get in a state. Yeah. It's to get into fighting get stance. Ready. Yeah. It's to get because into sometimes like, when I was when I was better wrestling, I'd smack my thighs. Exactly. You're yeah. getting in state. It's your yeah. anchor to get you into the mindset of I'm about to go to war. Yeah. Like if I felt something, I would like kind of distract my brain from like getting nervous. You exactly. Know I mean? yeah. Exactly. And you would you would be in a in a better physiology. You'd mm-hmm. be in a better state. Um. And so, like for example, someone who's unconfident, like how do they how do they sit? Sl- a little bit slouch. I slouch. I slouch too. Don't worry. <laughs> but like their heads down and they, they talk no, yeah, quiet. Yeah, yeah. Confident kind of times breathing, in my life right? I've been like, you know, you can tell when curled up. Like, I'm thinking about how I'm sitting. I almost want to hide. Yeah, yeah exactly. So you curl down and yeah. that's your physiology. But yeah. how do, someone who's confident, they're here. Yeah. Their heads up. And you can notice when someone's confident or they have the posture of someone who's confident. So mm-hmm. actually, in a sense, confidence is also physical. Wow. Okay, yeah. So because it's just, it's, just a, it's just like just a small movement. It's a yeah. little two millimeter shift and you feel different. Um, so yeah. state's really important. So going back, like incantations is like if you write a bunch of I am's and I'll go through mine. And so say you're in the mirror or say before a speech, I'll go through it. Let me take this off because I get a little intense. Um, <laughs> but I'll go through and I'll be like, I'm a force for good. I'm a student of the game. I'm kind. A bone flows through me. I'm decisive. I'm evolving as a leader. I'm becoming the man I'm meant to be. I'm mastering the skill of influence. And I'll go over and over and over again. And I'll body it and I'll slam it in me. And I change my physiology and I get into a higher state. I get into a state of confidence. I get into a state of certainty, and I know that I'll crush anything in front of me from that moment moving on. Mm-hmm. And so I would highly suggest that people create incantations because you're literally programming your unconscious mind of what you want to become. Mm. People don't realize how powerful the brain is. Yeah, It's everything. I have a quote. It's not the physical body that holds you back. The biggest disability you can have is a bad mindset. It's your psychology. It's your conditioning. And once you're aware of what holds you back, once you're aware of the beliefs that hold you back, you're able to take them from unconscious to conscious and you can strip power away from them. But most people don't know what's holding them back because they have one went inward. Mm-hmm. Most things that are holding us back are unconscious. We're not aware of them. That's yeah. why coaches are so important because they can see things that we don't see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so when we th- take beliefs that are unconscious and we bring them to conscious, then you're aware of them and you can strip power away from them. Or you notice when they come into play in day-to-day situations yeah. and you could be more self-aware. Yeah. And so I would highly suggest that people create the I am's. Mm-hmm. And you do it in the mirror over and over again. You do it at night. You do it in the beginning. And you literally craft yourself into the man or woman you want to become. Like, this ain't no joke. Yeah. Yeah. This is how I, I was suicidal. I was depressed. I was fat. I was all the things. And now I'm a monster. Like, I'm literally a monster because I created myself into one. Like, a good one. Hell like, yeah. a nice, kind monster. I don't like, <laughs> yeah, I don't man, like hell people, yeah. you know? Dude, I, and, and, like, and for people that might think this is overboard, which I don't think anyone does, but I'm just saying, like, because it sounds like, you know, you're, you're, you're getting intense and stuff like that. Yeah. It's, not well, nor- to, to it's, me, not normal, it's not normal yeah. for people to see that and witness that, but it's powerful. And it, to me, it makes me feel good. I've been in a situation in my life where I was, I was down in the dumps and I had a lot of self-doubt. And I literally remember like looking in the mirror and before I could even realize where I was because I was so in my head, I was looking at myself in the eyes and I was talking shit to myself. And I was saying like, why the fuck are you such a fuck up lately? Like, why can't you get your shit together? And like, like it would have been such a positive thing for me to hear this so I could change that verbiage and, and say like, that would have made you, you, are, you are a guy that figures it out. You are yeah. a guy that's going to see the other side. You know your what truth. I mean? Start saying that shit. Your truth. Yeah, that would have helped a lot. So that's, that's, that's really great. And I'm going to use that. Because it's like when you get into like these really <clears throat> mentally unstable places that we've all been in, <laughs> it's it, it's almost like it it seems too good to be true that you can just change the state of your mind by speaking positive affirmations and getting into state. Or incantations. It, it's, it, yeah, it it seems like it seems like a, a reach, but it also seems like another one of those things where maybe this is like the last thing I want to try to do because yeah. that part of your brain is just feeding off feeling bad. There's a part of your brain that maybe likes feeling bad, 
and as you continue to well, feel worse and worse, it wants proof. It wants proof. Yeah, it, wa- it wants to prove itself yeah. to be true. <clears throat> um, but yeah, just getting yourself to speaking positively to yourself is is a superpower in its mm-hmm. own, and I, I think it's it's something that has to be practiced. Yep. and become a profession. Yeah, and and I would say, if you need motivation to talk to yourself a little bit more politely, um, you'll never make more than you think you're worth. And so in all areas of your life, you'll never have a great relationship if you don't think you're worth it. So we can do things, another way to build confidence, and I'll give you an analogy. So for those that want to build confidence, this is one way, is confidence is a synonym for self-integrity. And so the way that we build confidence is we follow through in the very promises that we make within ourselves. And so I'll, I'll, I'll paint a picture with an analogy. Say you, all three of us, I was like, after this podcast, let's meet at this restaurant at 6 p.m. And you're like, great. And you go to the restaurant and I don't show up. How many times of Nick not showing up are you going to realize I'm unreliable? Maybe once, once twice, twice, three yeah, times, right? Yeah. If you're pushover, maybe three times. Yeah. And let's flip the script on ourselves. How many times do we make a promise within ourselves and we break it? Are we going to realize we're unreliable? Wow. Mm-hmm. And so what that means is like, if you make a promise and you say like, I'm going to, who know, I'm going to, I'm going to study and get my homework done, or I'm going to go to the gym five out of the seven days and you don't do it on an unconscious level, you actually diminish the relationship you have within yourself. Your work ethic, your self-integrity, and your confidence. And when you break one promise, what's the, what, what happens? It's easier to break two, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And three. And that's how we go into our downward spiral. And so a real simple way for people to get back on track or get some momentum in your life is create non-negotiables. So non-negotiables are clearly non, non-negotiable. Like re- regardless of what goes on in your day-to-day, these few things get done. Mm-hmm. My two non-negotiables are my gallon of water and 45 minutes of working out. Now, why are non-negotiable? Why are they important? Is because humans love the feeling of progress. Mm-hmm. Our darkest and lowest days come from the days where we don't feel like we did anything. Mm-hmm. We Definitely. don't, right? We Personally, feel stagnant, yeah. complacent. Yeah. yeah. Especially achievers, we just mm-hmm. like I didn't do anything today. Yeah. And why that is is because, and spending a lot of time with Tony, Tony says that most people have a highway to hell and a dirt road to happiness, meaning, the rules that they've made for their life. They've made it really hard for themselves to feel good about themselves, Mm -hmm. and they made it really easy for them to feel shitty about themselves. And so you change your rules. And so maybe for you, your non-negotiables is, in the morning, I'm going to practice gratitude. Or, you know, my two, or your two non-negotiables are, I'm going to practice gratitude, and I'm going to go for a walk in the morning. And then you do them, and you follow through on your promises, you celebrate them, and you feel like you move forward. But that's the thing. People have made it so hard for themselves to feel good about themselves. You know, for example, you can ask someone like, you can ask them, you can even go up to someone and you could say, what do you need to do in order to be successful? And they'll say, I need to have a 4.0 GPA and I need to blah, 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 blah. And it's like out of reach. It's like really extreme for them to feel successful. Does that make sense? Yeah. Instead of just saying like making a rule in your life of like, when I read a new book, like I feel successful. Or when I read 15 pages, I feel like I move forward. Yeah. But the reason being we have we have shitty rules. Yeah, we're all achievers. We're all achieving things daily. Yeah. Um and Do you think do you think that society's idea of success has has a lot to play? Oh, it's terrible. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's I would say we're we're conditioned all over by social media, so like we've been conditioned as humans to seek validation from external forces. Mm. So we seek the validation from watches. We seek validation from girls, guys, the money in our bank account, real estate, um, likes. By the way, we seek validation from likes, comments. It gives you dopamine every time you break a certain I've amount of likes. I've definitely been there. Right? Yeah. We've all been there. Oh, We've been yeah. all so obsessed over the number yeah. that we, we feel empty or it's like 
when's the next video or when do I have to get, I have to do something bigger and better. Yeah. And instead of seeking validation from inward by keeping your promises within yourself. Mm -hmm. And so for those people out there, like I've had the watches, I've had the money, I've had the cars, the girl, everything. Like I've had everything, but it's, but it's empty because it's, it's not building a relationship with yourself. It's, there's never a point also when you make a specific amount of money, you're like, I'm good. I'm fulfilled. I'm yeah. happy. Mm. Like we, we need two things. I want them to write this down as well. There's two things that you need to do in order to live a fulfilled life, a longevity fulfilled life. One, you always need to be growing. If you're not growing, you're what? You're dying. Yeah. It's the universal law. It's not my law. It's not Tony's law. It's the universe. You're either growing or you're dying. So humans love the feeling of growing and progressing. That's why non-negotiables are important. And then the second thing that you need to do is you need to contribute. How can you serve? How many times have we felt super shitty about ourselves and then did an act of kindness for someone else and felt really damn good? Many times. Yeah. Right? Many times How many life, times yeah. have you specifically did something for someone else because you were in a low point and you knew it would make you feel good? Yeah. They've literally done a test. It's a weird test. They tested your saliva and when humans do an act of kindness for themselves, they get that dopamine hit for like 24 hours. When humans do an act of kindness for someone else, it lasts for like 48 to 72 hours. Wow. Because we're designed, we're put on the earth to serve. Mm-hmm. And the suffering will stop when you serve something greater than yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you stop only focusing about your world and you do good for others, your life will change. Yeah, definitely. And th- I believe that finding that ha- had been really difficult for me. And obviously, we're always searching for it. There's yep. always something that you can feel more inspired by, passionate about, and you can feel like it's more of your purpose. Um, and recently, like I used to kind of avoid things that pissed me off. Like if I saw a problem in the world that was going on that really boiled my blood and I was like, I felt almost like, uh, like, like I, I was no match for this problem. It was too, it was way bigger than me. Uh, it would really piss me off and I would kind of turn a blind eye to it because I didn't want to be pissed off. Um, but I realized that you could find so much out about your purpose by just feeling out what makes you emotionally vulnerable. Even if, even if that is making you angry. Yeah. Like there's so many things about this world that make me angry that like, I'm like, you know what, I'm going to work no matter what it is. Like, you know, every single day I'm going to do something to change the, the way that this is. Yeah. So that less people are, are, are facing this oppression or, or, or less people are being harmed, Wh- whatever it is, like I- if it pisses me off and, and I'm making a positive change to eliminating it, I feel like that's, that's my purpose. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever makes you feel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because right? I was always searching for like, oh, what's going to make me happy? You know? Yeah, yeah. And maybe it's defeating that thing that's making you pissed off. Yeah. Yeah. I think that what you just said, whatever makes you feel, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. Because there was like, there was a time where I had society's idea of success and I was receiving, you know, you know, revenue, likes, yep. all that shit. Yep. And it wasn't making me feel anything. I yeah. felt nothing. I felt numb and... And that's because I guess I wasn't like, I wasn't working on who I was within. Yeah. And until I took a break from that and started doing that, that's when I started to feel. You know, right after middle school and after high school, when you, when you kind of found your groove and, and you, told, you started speaking to yourself more positively, what, uh, what was the next step? Vine. Like, yeah, Vine. <laughs> Vine. <laughs> Same. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, I think wrestling gave me enough confidence to put myself out on the internet. Um, a little bit more because we all know internet can be a very nasty place yeah, a yeah. lot of the times. And so I was a senior in high school when Vine released. It was in 2014, around there. And I was like, oh, I want to create I want to create videos. You know, Vine was everywhere. Everyone was on Vine. Yeah. And so I knew what it felt like to be like sad and depressed and suicidal. And I was like, well, if I can make people laugh and 
and inspire them at the same time. Like that'd be really cool. And so I wanted to create something that like only I can do. So like I can leverage that and keep doing it and it'll be like, it'd go viral. And so I went to Walmart and I dressed up as a zombie and I scared someone and I posted it and I posted it and I, and I went to sleep for school the next morning and I woke up and had, it was on the top of the popular page, mm. the number one. And I'm like, I was no one. Like I, 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 mm-hmm. I didn't, I had maybe had like 20,000 followers or something. And it was on the top of the popular page and I go into school and everybody's freaking out and they're like, dude, you're the zombie king. And I'm like, I don't even know what's good. What, what did I get myself into? And from there, I think that gave me a lot of, a lot of more confidence. Um, but also it was a rough time too, because yeah. I read comments gotcha. and, and what hurt me even more was my parents reading the comments about their son. Mm-hmm. And so like, I tried to like, tell my like, don't read the comments they are stupid. Like it's just trolls, you know, but they, you know, they don't understand that. And so I think, that was an emotional roller coaster of having the spotlight, as, as you guys know, is like people say whatever they want about you. Mm-hmm. And, but it also, I developed like very thick skin mm-hmm. of like, I realized like, why focus on like these negative comments when there's so hun- hundreds of them with so much love? Mm-hmm. Like, how dare you? Like, how dare you only focus on the trolls and not focus on the supporters that really enjoy you? Yeah. You know, and so that was a big learning learning lesson for me. And then that's definitely an exercise and a muscle that you need to work. Oh yeah, yeah, it's yeah, tough. yeah. Because <laughs> I mean, naturally, your brain seeks uh, the negative yep. because you're trying to figure out problems so you can yep. move on to focusing on the positive. Yep. And eliminating threats. Um, and that now, in modern society, the threats are negative comments. Yeah. So it's, that's, not, it's not a wolf in a field. You know what I mean? It's like. Yeah. It's not a predator, but it's not. It's, yeah, back in the day, it was. Yeah, yeah. And, that, and that's why I think there is a study that shows that humans focus on negativity for that reason. It's because they want survival. To s- survival. Yep. You know, if, you, if you're in a field of berries and you're eating the berries, and a wolf comes along, you're gonna run away. It's that indicator. You want to live. Fear. fear is good in some sense. Yeah, you yeah. want you want to live, but but now it's like if you're looking yeah. at the field, the field is positivity. It's it's berries. It's it's nutrition. It's you know a way to survive, and uh, and then the wolf is like, oh shit, I gotta get out of here because yeah. maybe he he's hungry too. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, like, that's why you have to focus on negativity because you got to get yourself out of there so that you can then go back. That's why your brain enjoy, wants to. Enjoy the positivity. Yeah. yeah. So now, now we, I think. We have, like, petty things that are as our, as our negativity. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, like, not a survival scenario. It's, like, someone telling you that you're not worth it. Yeah. Or someone telling you that you look a funny it's way. It's way different now. Yeah, it's way different. So that's why it's, like, we really need to, like, retrain the way that our brains were programmed because yep. of the society that we live in today. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's a constant, never-ending journey. Like, yeah. it never stops. Yeah. And, like, that's one of the biggest superpowers you can have is, like, just staying a student student of the game. Yeah. And if you, like, if you consume good content, like, you'll feel good. Yeah. Like, you'll feel what, yeah. better. But Honestly, to be per- honest, like, scrolling doesn't do shit. Like, Personally, I, I stopped using Instagram and, and pretty much all social media platforms. Besides YouTube, every once in a while, I go on to just watch inf- informational stuff. Like, yeah. how, how to like build good things. Stuff. And, yeah. yeah. Like, like can, good stuff that makes you feel You can't control like, the algorithm anymore. You know what I mean? It, like, it controls you. It controls yeah. you. And I think that... It, yeah, are you a consumer or you are, are you are someone who's, you know, posting content? Yeah. I mean, regardless, I feel like whether you're posting or consuming, it's like it comes with just as just as many negatives. Yep. And it's, it's, it's really none of our faults. It's like this algorithm that's created to make us addicted to our phones and looking and like we're looking at things that maybe we don't want to look at. Um, but it's like one of those things where you can't look away. Because just that's the way our brains work, and that's the way that the people who created the algorithms decided to to mm-hmm. that's that, yeah. that's our vulnerability. They decided to target. So I've yeah kind of like eliminated social media from my life, and I I would say that it's definitely helped. Um, so watching the way you consume helps a lot. In, yeah. Dude, it's in everything. Yeah, you yeah. know, it's it's like um, Jim Rohn, who was an OG in like the personal development, um, always said like you have to stand guard at the door of your brain. 
like always. Mm. There's so much negativity. It's so easy to feel negative emotions and, and seek the negative. And so that's why you have to stand guard. And literally, if you have to picture like a massive knight, like in your head, and this is your castle, like you only let good shit into your castle. Mm. You know, you don't let bad stuff. And so we're constantly on watch because there's negativity all around us. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, not not scrolling the comments or yeah. following people who have inspirational and great content. It's not just like negativity and drama. I mean, yeah. most most content now is for clout and it's for drama yeah, and yeah. it's just to like spike your emotions, right? Yep. Yeah, definitely an emotional spike. Um, <laughs> yeah, you can cycle through like 50 different emotions within like 30 seconds on social media by just scrolling. Yeah, TikTok, there's one that's like, it's a little puppy and the next one is about someone like, some horrible accident. You know what I mean? It's like, I just, Constant, I was happy yeah. one second and now I'm sad the next yeah. second. How am I supposed to feel like that wouldn't necessarily happen? That would never happen in, in, a, yeah. in an everyday, like human, like <laughs> our, 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 our emotions supposed to shift that drastically. I don't think yeah. we were created to have our emotions no. shifting so that much. Let's, yeah. let's quickly, <laughs> before we ta- go on a tangent about TikTok, <laughs> let's bring it back to you. Uh, so you're 18. What's, what's your next step in life? Yeah, so you're 25. Sorry, he's he's 24 when you were now. 18. What was your next? He's 24 now, <laughs> but he, I'm, I'm still the same height. It doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm bringing him back to when he was 18. Yeah, so 18, um, I got accepted into the only college that I wanted to go to, mm-hmm. and one of the reasons because awesome. they were like top five in food, and I love food. I'm like my, my best friend was going there. Yeah, and um, but I was sitting in orientation and it just didn't feel right, and so I was like, I don't really know if I want to do this. And I'm not advising anyone to go left or right or whatever it may be. I'm just, this was my story. And so um, I, I came back and I was mentioning that my, my senior year, I, I got a million followers in that one year of being a senior. And that led me to like The Walking Dead hiring me. And that was my first paycheck. So my first paycheck. Oh, wow. The Walking Dead hired me. Yeah. So I, they, they How hired How did I miss me. that in my research? They hired, wow. to, they hired to fly me out to Japan to scare Norman Reedus in a press conference. And so the video is online. It's like a viral video, wow. and um, I got paid ten grand, and it was it was as a senior. And so yeah. I'm like, oh my god, this is amazing. This is the path that I want to take. And so I didn't go to college, and I persuaded my parents to move out to LA when I was like 18 or 19. And I, and I got the opportunity. Um, I had some. How was that persuading them? Because we kind of yeah, like yeah. had a similar. Yeah, a we, similar were, experience, we were mentioning that. Yeah, yeah it's so tough. Yeah, my. My mom was like in, and my dad was like, like immediately. My mom, yeah, my mom's more of like, as long as you're happy, I'm happy. And my yeah, dad's like, you yeah. gotta make money to feed yourself, uh-huh. which I'm glad that he was that like stickler in my life. Yeah. He bounced it out. Yeah, exactly. And so he was more of the analytical, like, what if this happens? Blah blah blah. Like, mm-hmm. are you set on money? All that stuff. And so, but eventually they they were good because I I picked a friend. I was gonna move out with a friend, so I wasn't alone. Gotcha. Now, if I was alone, maybe it would be a little bit different. And so I moved out. And I, I went to L.A. and I signed a lease at like Los Feliz Boulevard around there. Mm-hmm. And um, I was going to start Vine and talking about environment, how environment's key. Like my roommate wasn't very driven. And so it got to the point where like the apartment was in my name and he he's never paid rent. Like he never got a job and never paid rent. And that brought me down. Right. So now I feel that burden. I'm like, I'm a screw up. Like I'm lo- I only have 10 grand in my name. And I wasn't savvy enough for like networking and like collaborating at the time. I was just trying to like just make videos. I didn't really know what I was doing. Mm-hmm. Oh, but that's what I was saying. I got I got um, called by a production company to do a show like Impractical Jokers, but it was the whole cast was disabled. They mm-hmm. were pitching me on the show. They're like, we want you to be the star. Um, this is going to be your pay. All of it. You need to come out and you need to be in L.A. We're going to film a pilot. Mm-hmm. 
And so that's why I moved. I, that, that, that's a lot of the context of the story. And yeah. so I moved out and I signed this lease. And two weeks after I signed the lease, they called me and they were like, the show didn't get picked up. Wow. I didn't know that happened. I thought it was yeah. like set in stone. I didn't know yeah. anything. And so there, there goes my income. And by not getting the result that I expected of like going on a show and like getting paid money, like it just sunk me. Yeah. And so, and then it's tough when you get your hopes up and it just gets crushed. Yeah. 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 And so I moved out there and then, and then, and then I went super broke and, uh, like super broke, like I, I didn't have a bed, like I was sleeping on like laundry and my towels and like eating like ramen noodles and peanut butter and tortillas were my go-to. Mm-hmm. It was the first time I've ever felt, um, I knew what it felt like to go to sleep hungry. Like it was really bad. Mm, yeah. um, but I'm glad. I So I, mo- I moved back home to Jersey and um, I found the gift in the situation. Remember, like I'm all about finding the learnings and finding the teachings. I'm yeah. glad that I went to LA and I failed. Um, because I learned, I, I got a perspective on how to live with absolutely nothing. So even now in my life, if my business got taken away from me, if I, if I went dead broke, like I've been there before mm-hmm. and I know what it feels like. And so it's not new. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? And so yeah. like, that's my learnings. And next time I move, I'll be a lot more prepared. Like I'll make sure I'm, I'm, I'm a lot more prepared. And yeah. so that was when Vine got like, Vine stopped and a, a lot of every, like the influencers went to YouTube. And like, I didn't really keep up on the YouTube. And so I was like, all right, what's next? And I, I moved back home um, with my parents and I moved into the basement. And I was like, I'm going to become a bodybuilder. I was like, I never thought I could be in shape. I'm going to do it. If I do it, people will watch. The content will go viral and I'll be able to monetize it because you can't buy a fit body. Like I'll be able to promote a supplement or something that will help. Um, and so what was interesting is with like fitness and bodybuilding, you, it can't happen overnight. Like you can't just like sculpt your body overnight, mm-hmm. unfortunately. Yeah. And so like, I don't think my dad saw the vision in the beginning. He's like, mm-hmm. what are you doing? And I'm like, I promise like it'll work off. Like give me a year, give me two years. Like it'll work off yeah. uh, or work out. And then I got in good shape. And by posting bodybuilding videos, I, I grew a massive following on like Instagram. And one of, one of, um, one of this business guy in Tampa was like, reached out to me. He's like, I want to mentor you come out and, and, and check out Tampa. And then I fell in love with Tampa. Um, I'll speed the story up. And so I, I, I go out to Tampa and I'm bodybuilding and I'm going to do a show. And one of a, a mutual friend of mine said, Hey, I'm having a little get together at my house. There's about eight people. Um, you'll never know who you meet. Just come. And so I go to this little get together and everybody's sharing their story. And they're like, what's your story? And I'm like, I got a long story. You got a long time. And I started sharing my story. And at the end, Ratmir, who's, who's behind the scenes, he, I didn't know him at the time. And he goes, one day you're going to be on stage with Tony Robbins. And I'm like, who's Tony Robbins? I don't know who Tony Robbins was. I'm 20, 21. Um, he's like, yeah. He's like, I, you're just going to be a massive speaker one day, and you're going to be on stage with Tony Robbins. I don't know what it is. I just got this vision. And I'm like, you're crazy. I have no no idea who you are. And so the the, the meeting goes on, and afterwards, like me and Ratmer stay after, and he's like, dude, he's like, I feel really compelled to help you. Um, he's like, I do real estate right now, but I'll 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 allocate 50% of my day to real estate and 50% of my day trying to book you on stages and and if you like the work that we do maybe one day we'll create a company just joking mm-hmm. and now here we are four years later on a world tour with tony robbins and uh we travel the world together that's awesome and but but i share that because one community is massively important yeah like having the right people in your life that are like pushing you and challenging and bringing you up but also sometimes it takes a different person from a different walk of life to see a gift in you that you may not see in yourself and we look at the chain of events you took a risk you decided to bodybuild um which I'm, I can imagine a lot of people told you no yeah. about that. You, know, you <laughs> yeah. said your own, your own dad did. Yeah. Um, 
And then you, you get to Tampa and you end up in a situation where you're almost in the right place at the right time around the right people. And I think when taking a risk and, and doing something that really feels purposeful, that happens a lot more. Mm. You, you're in the right place at the right yep. time a lot more. Yeah, so it's I, putting yourself out there and really just taking that risk to put yourself out there. Yeah, and, and I call those moments of being guided. Mm. You know, where you're at the right place at the right time. And like, you don't have to believe in God. You can believe in universe, the faith, whatever you believe in, like a higher power. Something put us here. We yeah. don't know what put us here, but yeah. something put us here. And like you said, when you when you start to like shift from like off your purpose to on purpose, or you're attempting to find your purpose, the higher power tends to put you in the right place yeah. at the right time sometime. Mm. If your focus is on the right stuff. Yeah. And so we can all agree, like sitting at this table, there are, there are opportunities all around us, right? Yeah. But if we're focused on the shit in our life, we may miss the opportunities that yep. are right in front of yep. us. Mm-hmm. Very true. Focus. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so you're in Tampa now and you're, and you're bodybuilding. Uh, then it led to now doing a tour with Tony. Uh, so take me through bodybuilding. What, how, like, what was that like? Because that's, that's a tough thing. There's also a thing that I've realized. Like, it's like a lot of people who bodybuild, because I kind of briefly got into it at one point in my life and it spiraled out of control and I recognized that it was getting a little bit too much. It was toxic for my lifestyle, so I had to stop it. Um, But I feel like it was also a competitive thing where, you know, the only people who are really able to identify what body fat percentage you are or like how shredded you really are are other guys that are doing it. So like you could think it's for the vast majority of people or whatever, but it, it really is like a competitive thing and it's uh, what, what was that's your the point that I got to. Your, so what was your experience with it? Because like, yeah, you just said like it was for validation yep. of others, and I feel like I came finally came to terms with like, okay, I'm doing this for other people, not myself. Yeah, and that's yeah. So yeah, so I think in the beginning it was like I'm gonna do it for this, it'll make me happy, and and yeah. maybe help with my body image and all that stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And so I got into it with buddies that wrestled. Um, you know, find someone who has the results that you want. My buddies were big and they were jacked, and so I'm like, I want to start lifting, mm-hmm. and. Um, unfortunately for me, there wasn't a book that said, man, with no legs, one arm, this is how you bodybuild, this is your workouts. Yeah. And so it's literally me going in and just trying. Hmm. Like I said, I failed at everything. Like my life is a bunch of failures led to a success because I'm, I'm down to fall on my face. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I go into the gym and I'm figuring out what workouts um, help me. And I fell in love with not only like we're talking about physiology and moving your body and get the, getting the benefits, but the, the mental therapy that I got from like lifting. And so, and this is such a meathead thing to say is like a lot of things will change in your life, but a 45 pound plate will always be a 45 pound plate and you can Mm -hmm. always go in and take your emotions or do whatever you need to do with the 45 pound plate. And so then I got involved like following people in bodybuilding and I wanted to compete and I fell in love with, and I, and I fell in love with bodybuilding. I fell in love with like the posing and how, how they make, make their body look a certain way on stage. Like I fell in love with like all of bodybuilding and that led me to Tampa. And can I share a story about The Rock? Yeah, yeah okay. please. Okay, great. please. <laughs> and so um, I moved to Tampa. And right when I moved to Tampa, I was like, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a bodybuilding show. And I'm going to compete on men's physique, which they only judge um, your waist up, clearly. Because I was like, I don't want you to judge my legs. I got small legs, right? I have no legs at all. <laughs> and so I'm not going to go on a bodybuilding show where they judge your legs. And so I moved to Tampa and I commit to this 12-week show. And I have my best friend, Cody, who, who trained me for the show. And I was 10 weeks out from the show when I go to Vegas for Mr. Olympia, which is one of the biggest bodybuilding conventions. And talking about moments of being guided, the expo was Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. I went Friday, I went Saturday, and Sunday I decided to not go. And I went to a, a famous gym in Las Vegas. And um, I, I go to the gym, and everybody's like crowded around the gym. And my buddy comes running up to me, he goes, dude, The Rock is upstairs lifting. 
I'm like, that's awesome. Can I still work out? Like I'm on prep. Like I need to. He's get like out. everybody's yeah. fitspiration. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. in the oh, bodybuilding yeah. world. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And and I gave the, to give you context. I've, I've already blasted my videos out to him. He already knew who I was. And so he like tweeted me one time, and I'm like, so he knows who I was. Oh, I stick cool. out like a sore yeah. thumb. Like he'll know who I am. Yeah. And so I go up there, and I'm like, let's not bother him. And I'm I'm lifting, and at one point, like I'm lifting, and Dwayne's next to me, and he's lifting, and like we're paying each other no mind, and. Um, like 45 minutes later, he, one of his security guards comes up to me and he taps him on my shoulder. He's like, you're Nick, right? And I'm like, not many people look like this. Like you got the right guy. And he's like, Dwayne wants to meet you. And I'm like, holy shit. And so they escort me over into the corner and they bring Dwayne over and he, he gets, he gets down on my level or tries to get down on my level. And he's like, dude, I'm such a big fan. Can I have a, can I get a picture with you? I'm like, come on, man. I'm like inside. I'm like fangirling, but I'm like, yeah, let's grab a picture. And, um, I, I like rambled off all my goals and ambitions to him. I was like, I'm gonna be, I'll, I'll become the first Calvin Klein model with no legs. I'm gonna speak all over the world. I'm gonna write a book. I'm gonna take over the world just like you did. Um, and he's like, you're right, because we adapt and overcome, and we always find a way. Mm. And um, but the the lesson in that is one: if I was never consistent with the promises I made within myself, I'd never have a relationship with the Rock. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the second thing is, always have your goals and ambitions and visions on the top of your brain and communicate them to people. Because one, you'll never know who people know and who they can connect you with. But talking about focus is like, I want to take it to take it to something else is you have something in your brain called the RAS. It's your reticular activating system. And so have you ever had a moment where in your life you wanted a specific car? Yeah. Yeah. And then you go out and like, you always see that car. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Why is that? It's because that's where your focus is. Yeah. And so your reticular activating system, what you focus on, you'll get more of. And so if you always, know what you want, you're very clear on your goals and your ambitions and your visions, you're more likely to see the networks, the resources, or the people that can help you get there quicker. Mm-hmm. That's why focus is so important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because you can't really, I mean, there's only so much you could do to achieve your own goals by yourself. And if you, you have goals that only return to yourself, I feel like, like you said, you, you get less of that dopamine, you're less satisfied. People just inherently like to do things for their community or for other people. Um, and, and oftentimes you can't do that by yourself. You need, you need the help of other people yeah. around you. Yeah. yeah, as a community, like you said, community is a superpower. I yeah. think I, I think I saw something recently that Warren Buffett said that the single most relevant word to success was focus. Yeah, I read that recently, or something like and that. How easy is it to get distracted nowadays? Very. You like scroll on social media, and next yeah. thing you know, you're watching cats on a piano, and it's like four hours later. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you're like, where'd time go? Everything's designed to distract us. Everything. Let's just be honest. Everything's designed to distract us, and so if you can harness your focus you'll get more out of life than most people. Mm-hmm. For sure. It's key. Thanks, man. I really appreciate that. Well, I think that's, I think it's a great way to wrap this up. Um, if there's one single thing that okay. you could tell, that you could tell, you know, someone listening, um, that you would like them to, to take with them and, and to apply to their life or, or something you think that could help them very much. Maybe even like a like, one liner or something. Like for me, a one liner was stay a student of the game. Like that, that you've given me is we're always learning. You know, yeah. you drop yeah. drop that ego. Don't think about. Don't try to think that you're better and that you don't. That you know everything. You know, just stay student of the game and and learn because learning the opportunity to learn is a blessing. Can I give you two? Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, one each. Uh, yeah. I have one from Tony and one from myself. Uh, right. So, um, when you when you drop your expectations for appreciations, your life will change at that moment. And so instead of going around life expecting everything, why don't you just appreciate what you already have and what's coming? Because how many times have we expected and then got let down and felt really shitty? Mm-hmm. And so if we can stop expecting and we can appreciate, we'll be a lot more happy and fulfilled. And then also mine is 
humans, we get into the pattern or the conditioning of saying, I have to. I, I have to go to the gym. I have to work out. I have to build a business. I have to make a YouTube video. I have to go to school. But in reality, these are all privileges. Yeah. And you get to. Because even me and man with no legs and one arm know that there's millions of kids and adults that are confined in wheelchairs and hospital beds that would look outside every single day and say, I wish I could breathe the fresh air. Mm-hmm. I wish I could just walk down the street. I wish I could just start the business. And so when you, the, mine is when you switch your, your have-tos to your get-tos, your life will also change in that moment. You get to do the things that you're doing because it's a privilege and you live in somewhere where you have the freedom to do so. Yeah. That's, That's what I with. Yeah. That's great. Love that, man. Well, Nick, thank the, you. Thank, thank you so much. Thanks so much for the conversation. Thank you. Let's do it. We really appreciate <laughs> it. Where, where, can, uh, where can people find you? Where can they hear you speak? Yeah. Great. Let so, them know. Um, Instagram is my main one. Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, LinkedIn. You can type in Nick Santanastasso, but I understand my last name is really long. <laughs> so if you type in Nick space Santo, I'm the guy with no legs, one arm with a bunch of tattoos, and I'm the <laughs> only one. So you'll find me. <laughs> All right. Great. <laughs> oh, Yeah. Yeah, and then uh, we have like a, we know there's a lot of anxiety and stress going on. Um, I mean, now more than ever with kids and adults, anxiety and stress is like at an all-time high. And so we were talking about gratitude and appreciation, how it's the most powerful emotion. We can also give them just a free little meditation that I created if you're up for it. We can just drop it in the, the show notes if you want. Awesome. Yeah. yeah, amazing. Great. Thank you, man. And it's just like a, it's it's like five to seven minutes. You just close cool. your eyes, I'll walk you through it, and I'll literally lower your anxiety and stress levels. Oh, great. Meditation is great. Yeah. We can link that below? Yeah. All right, sweet. Great. Thank awesome. you so much, man. Appreciate it. You got it. Uh, Where do we sign out? You guys sign out? Uh, we can do it right now. Thank you guys for listening. <laughs> we really appreciate it. This has been a, an episode of Deeper the Dolan Twins. And uh, see you next time. Yeah. Peace.